What's up, bitches? This is Morgan. And what's up, bitches? This is Sierra. And this is Bitches, bitches and, and Murders. Murders. <laughs> uh, today is the long-awaited, not really that long-awaited, it was the last episode, uh, <laughs> part two to William Bonin. Hopefully a part two. I'm going to try to make this a part two and not a part two out of three. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna cruise. We're gonna cruise through it. We're gonna just sail through as soon as I find a banky, because it's cold in here. It's cold in here too. Okay, a few expletives later, we have a blankie. It has freaking bats on it. I love Halloween. <laughs> okay. All right, bitches. So before we get into that, because <laughs> uh, like, let me let me tell you, the episodes I have lined up, they're not good. I have one that's like a Playboy bunny and it's not that bad. But other than that, we're not having a good time. And getting into uh, all of these... And getting into all of these murders is, is not going to be a fun time for any of us. I'm going to just tell you that now. None yes. of us are going to enjoy ourselves. Uh, so before we get into all of you know that, uh, we'll talk about something a little bit more palatable, uh, which is our new favorite product, uh, Magic Mind. It is a little kind of like a five-hour energy, but like organic and actually good for you and more than five hours worth of energy and doesn't taste um, like a uh, road chalk <laughs> no it's like a very matcha taste and i i mean i personally really like matcha so i'm okay with it yeah it's a very earthy um, taste i feel like too. yeah um i specifically love this because i i'm sure you guys know by now it gets mentioned a lot but in case you're new here hi I work overnight emergency critical veterinary medicine. Um, <laughs> I don't get breaks ever. Um, and it's a 12 plus hour shift. Like I get there at 730 at night. I leave on a good day by 9 a.m. But like it's emergency and critical care. It's not always how that works out. Um, and before I started using Magic Mind, I would crash so hard at like 4 a.m. I would start dragging. I felt terrible. And I was like in this weird limbo state of like, I want to drink another Red Bull because like let's be real, I was going through an unhealthy amount of Red Bull. Um <laughs> mood. Fucking mood. But I was like, it's also 4 a.m. and I need to like go home and sleep during the day so that I have sleep for my next shift. Um but since I've started using Magic Mind, I drink it in conjunction with like my, I almost said OG Red Bull and I hate myself for that. Um, my like first Red Bull of the night. Um, and it definitely, so it has L-theanine in it, which works with your caffeine. Um, so it kind of stops you from having that caffeine crash, um, which is really great because then I don't have that like groggy period at 4 a.m. I just keep cruising and I'm good and then I go home. And I sleep and I do it all over again because I work a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> like too much. Like, <laughs> like you should all tell her to knock it off, honestly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I definitely recommend this. Um, it is in our Beacons page. It's actually the top link, I believe. 
Um, and it has our discount code on it, which is BAM20. So you get 20% off if you buy it like once. And then I think there's an extra discount if you do like the monthly subscription. Um, it's 40% off if you do the subscription. It's 20 if you do just like one, one purchase. Um, so that is in our Beacons page. You should definitely go look at it and do more than look at it. You should absolutely buy it for yourself because it makes you feel so much better. And like, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting you. Like, this isn't like a empty, empty support. Is that the word I want? This like, like an empty this promise. is not an empty endorsement. Like, I'm not just going through the motions because we're getting paid. Like, right. Like, I can I show you this in my fridge right now. <laughs> like, I genuinely recommend this. I always have one in my work backpack, like just in case I need a little extra boost. Like, I use this a lot. <laughs> also, just to keep in mind, um. It, I feel like I definitely noticed um, some effects the first time I used it, but, like, I feel like it was, like, the second or third day of using it consistently that I, like, mm-hmm. really noticed it. So if you try it once and you don't feel something, like, immediately, just, like, keep it up consistent for, like, a couple more days and, like, the, it really, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get what I'm saying. It, it like, builds its effects the more that you use it. Yes, exactly. That was a way better way to say it. <laughs> I got you. And now, on to your regularly scheduled bullshit. <laughs> I was literally about to say that. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> um, so we are going to start right at the murders, which I promised and I will deliver. Um, before, so I put a big old trigger warning on the last episode. And if you're listening to a part two without listening to a part one, then what the fuck are you doing? Go back to part one. You're wrong. You're wrong. Um, but, uh, this also has trigger warnings for all of the things. Cause now we're really getting into the things. Um, and before we get into like step-by-step what happens with these murders, I'm going to give like a brief overview Um, And if the brief overview is, like, triggering you or it's too much for you, like, leave now. Because we're going to be going into more detail later. So, like, if if this is too much, then, like, that's why I want to do this first. So you kind of get a sense of where we're going. So if you want to get out, that's totally okay. I will not judge you. Like, there's no shame in being, like, nope, can't do it. Especially with this We're not going to fault you. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be. I literally have a puke bucket next to me. I mean, to be fair, that is because I'm <laughs> But, you know, it could come in handy with this. I'm not going to lie to you. Has nothing to do with the cyst in your esophagus. Has everything to do with this case. Uh, you know, I'd say it's equal. 50 It's a little bit. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, Will, uh, would usually select young male hitchhikers, um, usually schoolboys, as his victims. Um, his victims were all aged 12 to 19. Um, they were pretty much all slender, pale, long-haired kids um, that he either enticed or forced into his Ford Equine van. Um, he would open them and bound uh, hand and foot with either handcuffs or wire or cords um, or some combination of the three. 
um, then they would typically be sexually assaulted, um, extensively beaten around the face, torso, head, and genitals, and or tortured, some were, some weren't. Um, most of them were killed by strangulation with their own t-shirts and tire iron, like I described in the last episode. Um, because he liked that because it would allow him to like have them fade in and out of consciousness. Um, though some of the victims were stabbed or beaten to death as well. Um, so according to one attorney who was there while he like did all of these confessions because he did confess to like pretty much all of this in like graphic detail, um, the escalating levels of brutality that he exhibited toward his victims had been similar to that of a drug addict, uh, kind of like that sense of like, we see this a lot with serial killers, but that like, they need more and more to like chase that high kind of a feeling. Um, he also himself likened his homicidal urges to that of an addiction. Um, he would like talk about how he would be like on edge, like waiting for it to get dark so he could like go out and search for kids, essentially. Um, and then he would like feel these, you know, periods of extreme restlessness, extreme sexual frustration, like in the hours before he would murder. So he would typically cruise the freeways on Fridays and Saturdays. You want to know why? Why? Because Sundays were for his girlfriend. I have so many mixed emotions about that. Yeah, they would uh, typically go roller skating together on Sundays. Gross. Gross. Uh, Will was a sexual sadist, uh, which means that he got pleasure from hearing his victims scream. Um, and he also said his favorite, like one of his things that he got the most satisfaction out of was sexually assaulting his victims uh, without lubricant. I'm not going to get into any farther. Um, and he also had modified his van to make it easier to keep people from escaping. Uh, he removed all of like the inner handles from the passenger side and like the back of his van. And if you look up like a Ford Ecoline van, we'll also post it on Instagram, but it's like, like if I was like, if I told you to picture a serial killer van, uh, it's basically like that, just not white. So, like, a big back end with, like, no windows type of deal, if you get my drift. So. Yeah, I can I can picture exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, and in the back of his vehicle, he would also, you know, keep ligatures, knives, pliers, coat hangers, whatever random things he, like, felt like using on somebody um the victims would usually be killed inside his van before their bodies were discarded um usually alongside or close to freeways which is where the whole freeway killer thing came from uh it was a little bit of like them hitchhiking to the freeway but also him dumping them on the freeway um and he would often drive to like random counties to dump bodies because you know he didn't want to be suspicious like where he lived um so surprisingly in this case um there was one of the earliest forensic psychologists uh dr albert rosenstein and he actually was like 
he criminal minds this shit, and he honestly was, like, not far off. So that's pretty impressive for this being, like, the 70s. Um, He predicted that the killer was an intelligent sex offender in his late 20s or early 30s, um, had spent time in a psychiatric facility, had been abused as a child, and that while he was bisexual, the killer had never become comfortable with the homosexual side of his personality and was repulsed by it, which is why he, like, would mutilate the victims. And honestly, like, all of those things were perfectly accurate. So. I'm uncomfortable. You're, you're gonna get much more uncomfortable. I know. In a minimum of 12 of the murders, um, he was assisted by one or more of his four known accomplices. Um, he also would scrapbook newspaper clippings of his murders. Uh, people at his uh, work and, like, people around him, like, noticed how obsessed with these murders he was, too. Like, that'll come into play later, but, like, th- it was, like, obvious to people around him that he was like obsessed with this case like any time a murder would come out he'd like rush in with the newspaper and be like oh my god he did it like they found another one like people thought it was weird so uh the first murder so the first murder uh that occurred was that of 13 year old thomas glenn lundgren um, he had been leaving his house, his parents' house, in Reseda at 10.50 a.m. on May 28th of 1979. Um, he had told his friends before he left that a man had offered to meet him at a skate park to take pictures of him for, like, a skateboarding magazine. Um, his body, uh, clad in only his t-shirt, shoes, and socks, was found that same afternoon in Agora, which is a county not too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, an autopsy revealed that he had suffered um, extensive bludgeoning to his face and head, with his skull sustaining multiple fractures. Um, he had also been slashed across the throat, extensively stabbed in the chest and stomach, and strangled to death. Um, his I hate this case so much. Y'all, why did you do this? So many things for this. So much. Um, His underwear, jeans, and his severed genitalia uh, were found not too far away from the body. They had been, like, scattered in a field. Um, They also got evidence from these of severe bite marks. So they had... uh, his bite profile, which unfortunately wasn't, like, super helpful back in the 70s, but that that was evidence that they did get. Um, they, experts have theorized that his, like, aggression, and they only seem to mention this about the gay thing, but honestly, I think, especially with, like, the age of his victims, that this was partially about the gay thing, but I think it was also partially about, like, the pedophilia, because mm-hmm. they all said that, like, his brutality was, like, like the other doctor said, like, him trying to, like, subdue or, like, kill his homosexuality, like, him not wanting to come to terms with it. But, like, I think it was that, but also that and the pedophilia. Because it's, like, he never killed adults. Like, I don't really consider a 19-year-old an adult, personally. Uh, so, I think both of those things play a role, but... Yeah. Apparently, I'm the only one. No, I agree. 
Um, so this one, he was assisted by Vernon, our favorite guy. No. Uh, Vernon will be a part of eight of these. So. How many are there? More than eight. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, August 1979, he was again arrested for molesting a 17-year-old boy in Dana Point. Um, this violated his parole that he was on. Um, and he should have been returned to prison. However, uh, they had fucked up something in the paperwork and he ended up being released instead. Ugh. So Frazier drove to go get him from Orange County Jail. And as he got home, like as they're like driving home, Frazier testified that Will had turned to him and said, no one's going to testify again. This is never going to happen to me again. And he thought that was remorse. Does that no. sound like remorse to you? It no, that sounds like a murder. threat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Frazier's a fucking idiot. Also, um, can we stop, like, not punishing people correctly for the things that they do? Because that's how you get these fucking dumbasses the god complex they think they can do anything with no repercussions well yeah like when he got arrested for like five counts of kidnapping and raping children and he was supposed to serve one to 15 years and he served one yeah like like he the probation they're talking about is his probation from that like he has done all of this since that like jesus christ um yeah oh man Oh, man, it's going to make you so mad. The, the court and everything is so... It's bad. So, um, as soon as he gets out and Fraser picks him up, he goes right back to murdering. Never shows up for, like, his further court appointments. Just goes just right, right into murder. Um, so, two months after murdering Thomas, on August 4th of 1979, um... Vernon and Will abducted a 17-year-old named Mark Shelton. Um, Mark had just left his Westminster home. He was walking to a movie theater over on Beach Boulevard. Um, so when they took him, um, it's assumed that he was taken by force because uh, several neighbors reported from the police, like to the police, that they heard screaming mm -hmm. around that area, like around the time that he got taken. So it seems like it was by force. Um, the body was discarded in San Bernardino County. Um, it had been violated with se several foreign objects, um, which had caused his body to go into such severe shock that he actually died of shock. No shit. Um, literally the next day, the next day, uh, Vernon and Will encounter a 17-year-old West German uh, exchange student named Marcus Grabs. Um, somewhere between 6 and 10 p.m., we aren't sure exactly when, um, Marcus was attempting to hitchhike uh, like along the Pacific Coast Highway. So Marcus was bound with lanes of cord and ignition wire, and then he was beaten and raped. Um, and as this was happening, this was like one of those situations while Vernon was driving while Will was doing these things in the back. Mm -hmm. um, so... Marcus was partially strangled, and he was stabbed a total of 77 times 
also okay little that's other excessive soapbox rant here and another reason that i don't want to recommend the documentary is they showed they showed marcus's body with these 77 stab wounds they didn't show his face and stuff because most of it was uh like almost all of it was in his back uh like back and chest uh they just showed like that part but this was mm-hmm. a 17 year old child like, I get it. Like, I get wanting to look up crime scene photos or whatever, but, like, you did not need to put that in there. Like, I don't know. I, I like, normally, obviously, like, crime scene photos are cool or whatever, but it, just with it being a child and them just, like, not even blurring it at all. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, even, like, partially obscured or anything. Like, they just, like, showed it. And it, like, wasn't that, like, it wasn't, like, graphic. Like, I've seen a lot of gore. Like, I've seen much worse things much more gory things but it was just like i don't know the principle of it kind of bothered me yeah um it feels wrong yeah so like and i think it's the fact that he's a child yeah he's a literal minor like stop like it's bad enough you're talking about what happened to him like stop anyways (laughs) um and then his body was discarded in malibu creek um, it was found at 6.30 a.m. the next morning, um, and of the body, uh, the one police officer was noted as saying, uh, the network of injuries inflicted upon the victim uh, was like comparable to that of a rabid dog that doesn't know when to stop fighting. And honestly, I mean, like I said, they did show the picture. I saw the picture. I don't disagree with him like that's a pretty apt that's a pretty apt description to be honest yeah um so august 20th of 1979 uh will leaves the corpse of a john doe which was found in los angeles uh we don't know too much about that one unfortunately um august 27th will and vernon abduct a 15 year old from hollywood his name was donald david hyden Mm-hmm. Um, he was last seen alive walking around Santa 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 Monica, Monica. yeah <laughs> Boulevard at 1 a.m. That stresses me out alone on its own. Yeah, why are you on Santa Monica at 1 a.m.? As a 15 year old, like th- this is literally why you don't do that. Where were your parents? Yeah, his uh. His body was found by construction workers later that same morning in a dumpster located near the off-ramp of the Ventura Freeway. Um, He was also strangled. Um, He had also been bound, beaten about the face, sexually assaulted, and then stabbed in the neck and genitalia and, uh, like, his skull had fractures as well. Jesus. Um, There had been attempts made to remove his genitalia and to slash his throat um and there was also evidence that he had been impaled by a large object um we don't need to talk about where but yeah it was very bad yeah um i don't think they ever like pinpointed exactly which of those injuries killed him but i think in all of the above is sufficed um so two weeks after this uh september 9th 
Will and Vernon encounter a 17-year-old La Mirada youth. Um, his name was David Lewis Murillo, and he had been cycling to a movie theater. Um, they lured him into the van with promise of, you know, driving him there. Um, they then parked the vehicle in a secluded spot where he was found, sexually assaulted, um, hit with a tire iron, and then strangled. Um, his body was thrown out of the van, out of the van, out of the van. I don't know why I can't talk today. I don't know what my issue is. <laughs> um, and over an embankment into a bed of ivy along Highway 101. Eight days later, we just really don't stop here. They're really just like one after another after another. Um, eight days later, um, they found 18-year-old Newport Beach child named Robert Christopher Rusirostek. Rusirostek? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. That one is a little difficult. It looks easy to say until I try to actually say it out loud, and then it was a little more difficult than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he had been abducted as he was biking to his job at the grocery store nearby. Um, his body was found September 27th along Interstate 10. Um, Whale took a break after this. At least we think he did. We're not obviously 100% sure. Um, but November 1st of 1979, he and Vernon abducted and murdered a John Doe. Um, who had brown hair, he was between five foot one and five foot six, and they couldn't really estimate a great age for him. Their best estimate was between fifteen and twenty-seven. Um, but I'm gonna assume it's like in the teens. I, I yeah. think in the teens is probably a better chance. Um he had been beaten, strangled, uh, we know the deal. Um, and discarded in an irrigation ditch along State Route 99 south of Bakersfield. Um, Will confessed later that during this interaction, he had asked the victim whether he knew why he had to die. Um, and obviously the kid was like, no. And honestly, okay. Before I say this, Genuinely, I think this is one of the worst parts of the whole thing. No, because no. All of this is obviously horrific, but for some reason, this puts it so over the line for me. Like, it was so unnecessary, uh, and it really bothers me. So, okay. I'm sorry in advance. Um, so, like I said, he asked him if he knew why he had to die. He, of course, said no. And Will says, your folks paid us to find you and kill you. <gasps> oh, you better be fucking kidding me. That better not be true. And then he killed him. Immediately afterwards. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. And it was confirmed by Vernon as well. So, like, it, it happened. And that's, and that's the thing that pushes me, like, it, like, you are already doing the worst things that could ever humanly be done, mm -hmm. and somehow that is the worst thing. 
Like yeah. that was just so, so obviously none of this is necessary and all of this is horrible, but like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that was like, so I unnecessary. Hope better than that. Like, I hope that kid immediately was like, okay, this guy's bullshitting. But, you know, like, also when you're fucking a child, somewhere between 15 and 27, but probably closer to 15, like, I, you, you might not necessarily know that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you're a fucking kid. Like, <sighs> anyways. So he strangles him. He also mutilated the body a little bit with um, an ice pick. Um, four weeks later, on November 30th, uh, this time he was by himself, um, but he abducted a 17-year-old named Frank Dennis Fox from Bellflower. Um, he also did his normal things. Um, the body was found two days later alongside the Ortega Highway, Ortega Highway, uh, five miles east of San Juan Capistrano. Mm-hmm. Why can I say Capistrano, but I couldn't say Ortega? I don't know. <laughs> like, earlier I said a Tascadero, like, so easy. Like, why can I say that? But, like, I couldn't say Santa Monica. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> cause languages are bullshit. That's why. My brain is, like, so traumatized by this. It, like, doesn't even want to say words. Hmm. Um, uh, this body also bore signs of extensive blunt force trauma to the face and head. It also had ligature marks on the wrists and ankles. Um, they didn't find any clothing or any other identifying evidence at the scene. Oh, let me also clarify, because I don't think I've said this as we've gone through, except for the body where they found the bite marks, there hasn't been any evidence from, like, Will. Like, they haven't found, like, they some of them had clothes, some of them didn't have clothes and stuff like that, but, like, everything they found was, like, belonging to the victims. They never okay. found anything, like, hairs, anything like that of Will's at this point. So. Jesus. Um, ten days after that murder, um, a 15-year-old Long Beach um, child named John Frederick Kilpatrick Uh, had disappeared after he left his parents' home to go hang out with his friends. He had also been strangled to death, and he had been discarded in Rialto. Um, His body was actually found on December 13th. However, he actually remained a John Doe until August 5th of 1980, which was the next year. Oh, shit. Um, He, like, he came from, like, a troubled childhood, and his, like, parents had just gotten divorced and stuff and like he had run away several times so like for the first couple of days they like didn't report it because like this was kind of like a normal thing for him to do gotcha um and then also like this was just kind of like a unfortunate circumstance but I guess it didn't really matter because like he was dead almost immediately anyways so like it's not like it would have changed the circumstances but his friends, like, told his parents that they saw him at the mall. But, like, clearly they were mistaken because he was dead in on the side of the road in Rialto. So, like, obviously they did not see him at the mall. But they thought he saw them at the mall, so his parents were extra not worried because they were like, oh, well, like, he's in town. Yeah. 
Um, so he didn't actually get reported missing until February. And so that's part of the reason it like took so long to figure out who he was. Jesus. Um, January 1st of 1980, um, Will did his normal thing. Um, to a 16-year-old Ontario youth uh, named Michael Francis McDonald. Um, his fully clothed body had been found along Highway 71 in San Bernardino County two days after his murder, um, but his body was also not identified until March 24th. But you also have to think, too, that these bodies are getting dumped, uh, like, counties over from where they're being taken. So, like, it also makes sense that they wouldn't necessarily identify them all right away because they're not going to be missing people in their area. Yeah. <laughs> I no. titled, this next section is titled, We're Still Murdering. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got my drink. Got my pillow. Okay. I got my vanky. <gasps> February 3rd of 1980. Will invites a 16-year-old boy into his parents' house to give him alcohol and, of course, try to sleep with him. Um, so Will went to the bathroom, and when he came back from the bathroom, he allegedly uh, caught this kid stealing $100 from his wallet. Mm. Um, so he got really mad, and he decided that he was going to kill somebody that night. Because um, he couldn't really kill this kid. He was, like, at his parents' house. So, yeah. like, uh, so he decides that he's gonna go do something else. So he drove down to Hollywood with Greg Miley from earlier. Uh, like, and they, like, headed down there with the plan to murder somebody. Like, they were both fully, like, yep, we are going here to murder someone. Um, so they picked up a 15-year-old named Charles Miranda, uh, by the Starwood nightclub. He had been hitchhiking along Santa Monica. I said it this time. <laughs> um, uh, Miley drove as Will and Miranda allegedly engage in consensual intercourse. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. <laughs> apparently, so like, you know, they sleep together or whatever, and then like, Will leans forward to the front seat, and he said, kid's gonna die. Kid's gonna, this kid's gonna die. And Miley was like, why don't you just let the kid go? And then he said, no, because he'll know us and know the van. Which, if you were having consensual intercourse with someone, why would it matter? Yeah, literally. Why would it matter if they know the van? Like, it was consensual. So. Also, we're not going to talk about how you fucked somebody in a moving van while somebody else was present and driving. Yeah, that's how a lot of these go, and I'm like, that's weird. Thanks, I hate it. Uh, also, just, like, it, it's one thing to have sex in a van, like, that's already kind of difficult, but, like, a moving van sounds, like, very difficult. Like, not, like, enjoyable difficult, <laughs> like, but yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound like a good time. Um, so, obviously, Will overpowered Miranda. Um, they robbed Miranda of the six dollars that he had in his wallet, um, before they beat, bound, and gagged him. Um, he then told Miranda about him getting robbed earlier that day, and though it, and this is a direct quote, even though it 
wasn't fair, he was going to be the one to die for it. Um, so, of course, you know, this literal child, who is 15, um, starts crying and begging for his life. Uh, Will then sexually assaults him. Uh, his They stop the van, and his partner tries to sexually assault him, but he couldn't, like, keep it up. Um, so they ended up assaulting him, strangling him. It was a whole thing. Miley, and, and don't think that Miley did not participate in this just because he didn't sexually assault him. Like, he tried. He had all intentions, and when that didn't work, he tortured him with sharp things, and then while he was being strangled, he jumped on his chest. So he was absolutely 100% complicit in every part of this. Like, a willing participant. So. Thanks, uh, I hate it. So they, you know, dump the body um, in an alleyway along East 2nd Street in Los Angeles. Five minutes later, five minutes later, Will tells Miley, I'm horny again. Let's go and do another one. Bro, it's been five minutes. Five minutes! <sighs> uh, Greg says no. Let's go home. Like, what the fuck? Uh, but Will, like, would not drop it and was very insistent, and so he agrees. A few hours later, in Huntington Beach, uh, they run across 12-year-old James McCabe. Um, he had been temporarily left, like, temporarily left alone by his older brother, who had, like, dropped him off at a bus stop because he had been, like, staying with his older brother, so his older brother dropped him off at the bus stop, and the bus was supposed to be coming in, like, just a couple of minutes. Um, they lured him into the van. Uh, they told him, because he was going to um, Disney World. So they were like, we'll drive you to Disney World, and you can smoke weed with us. Uh, land. Oh, yeah, sorry, Disneyland. You're right. I even wrote Disneyland. I don't know why I said Disney World. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Okay, so, um, according to Greg, who was driving, um, James willingly got into the car, um, and, oh no, sorry, Will was driving, Greg was in the passenger seat, but they said that McCabe got into the car voluntarily, and then Will drove to a grocery store parking lot, um, and then went into, you know, the back of the vehicle, where he, like, you know, started to kind of do his thing a little bit. Um, he then tied him up and then told him he was being kidnapped for ransom, which, like, why? <laughs> um, he also punched him a little bit after this. Um, Greg kind of just, like, drove around aimlessly while this was happening. He didn't really say where or for how long. He just described it as a very, very long distance. Um... And said that he heard James crying as, obviously, Bonin was doing his thing. Um, Will then forced him to, like, sleep in his arms. Like, cuddle up to him for a while. Mm. But then when the kid finally woke up, he... Greg joined in at that point, And they both, like, beat him into unconsciousness. And then strangled him and discarded his corpse at a dumpster in a construction site at Walnut City. 
Um, his body was found three days later, and they spent the $6 that they stole out of his wallet for lunch. I hate it. I hate everything about it. So, uh, one day after this, um, Will was actually arrested for violating his parole. Um, so he was stuck in jail at Orange County until March 4th. So, there's no murders for a teeny, tiny time period. And that March... 1980. He gets out on March 14th, or no, sorry, he gets out on March 4th. Ten days later, on March 14th, he abducts an 18-year-old named Ronald Gatlin. He assaulted him and then started hacking at his face with an ice pick. Um, He eventually died of strangulation, but he had kind of all of the other normal wounds we would expect at this point. And then the ice pick thing. Um, He was found still bound this time. I think he's like one of the only bodies that was actually found like actively having any evidence with it. Um, But he was left behind an industrial building in Duarte. Uh, On March 21st, a week later, Will offered a ride to a 14-year-old hitchhiker named Glenn Norman Barker. Um, He had all of the usual that we expect at this point. Um, And Mm -hmm. then his neck also had numerous bones, burns made from a cigarette. (sighs) The same day, at 4.07 p.m., Will picks up a 15-year-old named Russell Dwayne Rue, who was at a bus stop in Garden Grove. He was planning mm-hmm. to hitch a ride to his job. Um, I ran into Will instead. Um, this one he kept for eight hours, um, doing all of the things we would expect, um, before discarding his body in Cleveland National Forest near the Ortega Highway. Um, Both of these bodies were found on March 23rd, ironically, um, and both had all of the standard marks we would expect. Yeah. So. (sighs) Are you ready to meet the fourth um, the, the fourth accomplice? Because this is the one that I can't get over. No, I have not been ready this whole time. (laughs) So, March of 1980 still, Mm -hmm. Friday, Will offers a ride to 17-year-old William Ray Pugh. So, the two of them left Frazier's house together. He offered him a ride. Um, So, like, minutes into the ride, Will asks the other will <laughs> hate that um whether they you know he would have sex with him basically um Pew stated that he panicked and he like didn't say anything because he didn't know like what to say um but when will popped up like pulled up to a stoplight he tried to like get out of the car 
um, but there were no passenger seat handles. Um, so Will, you know, like grabs him by the collar, drags him back in. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously, like at this point, is angry. Like Will was like visibly angry, um, and then confides in him that he would abduct male hitchhikers on Fridays and Saturdays so that he could take his girlfriend roller skating on Sundays. Um, and then he told him like what he would do to these kids. Um, and then Pew describes it as a very like matter of fact tone. He tells them, or he tells him, if you want to kill somebody, you should make a plan and find a place to dump the body before you even pick a victim. Uh, And then he tells Pew, he tells him that he had not chosen to refrain from, you know, sexually assaulting him and murdering him. Not because he liked him, but because they had been seen leaving Fraser's house together so people could place them together. Oh my god. Um, so Pew tells him an address that's, like, not actually his house, but it's, like, close to his house. So, like, Will actually does drive him there, lets him out, he lets Will drive off before he, like, runs to his actual house. So. How is that not where this stops? Like, how did not that not end with this kid being like, hey, this fucking psychopath just admitted all this shit to me? Like, how is this not where this ends? <laughs> You're really gonna hate this next sentence, and this is why I say it was gonna stick with you, and it's gonna bother you. Oh, no. On March 25th of 1980, Will and Pew abducts a 15-year-old runaway named Harry Todd Turner from a Los oh, Angeles street. Come on. Uh... Mm-hmm. He helps him. He is one of the accomplices. I hate it here. I, when I, like, was researching this case, like, I I just fucking stared at the page for, like, a solid five fucking minutes before I could actually, like, like, write it down. I was like, no, I'm reading this wrong. I must be reading this wrong. Yeah, no, that's fucking ridiculous. Nope, I was not. Uh, so, Turner had run away from a boy's home uh, four days before, and they lured him into the van with an offer of $20 for sex. Uh, they tied him up and sexually assaulted him, and Will bit him very badly in certain places. Um, that's all I'll say about it. Um, Will then instructed Pew to beat him up, essentially forcing him to, like, really become, like, complicit, complicit in the murder. Like, more than just standing there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which Pew did. He beat him up for, like, several minutes. Um, and then, you know, they strangled him to death. Um, and then discarded his body at the rear delivery door of, like, a Los Angeles business. Um, he obviously had been mutilated, and he also had eight skull fractures. April 10th, um, 
So he had gotten out on March 4th. April 10th, he was taken off of parole. Why? That same day. Literally that fucking same day. He encounters a 16-year-old from Bellflower named Stephen John Wood, who was walking to school. Um, so they actually knew each other because Wood's older brother um, knew Will from, like, the Fraser parties and stuff, and he had brought Stephen one time. So they had, like, interacted before. So mm. when Will stopped, he, like, willingly got into the van because he was like, I, oh, I know this guy, you know? Like, this is friends with my brother. Um, his hog-tied and extensively beaten body was discarded in a Long Beach alleyway beside a dumpster um, with his head resting on a nearby park bench. Or not a nearby park bench but like a bench yeah um he had been killed by strangulation of course um before he dumped the body do you want to know what will did because he did this one alone nope but you're gonna tell me anyway <laughs> so he he picks up steven he, he does all this stuff murders him okay um so he's in the back he goes to a job interview, then gets dinner, go get, goes and gets pizza, and then he goes and discards the body once it, like, gets dark. Wow. I fucking hate it here. So, four weeks later, on April 29th, um, he runs into 19-year-old uh, supermarket employee, Darren Kendrick. Um, at a Stanton supermarket. He lures him into his van by promising to sell him drugs. He then drives them to Vernon's apartment, where they all are listening to music. Um, in this situation, like, they're all sitting on the couch, they're all listening to music, yeah. and Will asks Kendrick if he's gay. He tries to run away, um, but the two of them overpower him, and Vernon assaults him. Um, they, like, obviously, like, crank the sound system. Um, Vernon then holds Kendrick's mouth open as Will pours hydrochloric acid down his throat, um, which caused him to have, obviously, severe chemical burns to his mouth, his chin, his stomach, his chest. Um, and, obviously, this, it, it doesn't kill him, but, like, he is severely, severely injured. Like, he is barely conscious. He's barely responding. Like, he, he obviously is not okay. Um, and Bonin doesn't like this. He, like, he was like, this is boring to me. So they don't assault him. They don't do anything more to him. He just, like, strangles him, and they're just, like, done with it. Because he's like, this wasn't fun to me. Like, I thought it was going to be fun, but, like, it injured him so badly. Like, I didn't want that to happen. Like... So, um, and it would have been great if they would have been caught right after this because Kendrick had fought super hard and he like bit them a bunch of times. So it's like, mm. there would have been fucking evidence if I don't know, literally anyone had done their job at literally any point of this. Yeah. Like literally at any point, like, <laughs> um, so they discard his body near Artesia Freeway. Um, 
And this time, you can tell they're getting, like, sloppier, too, because they keep, like, now they're, like, leaving shit behind. Like, this time they left him with an ice pick inserted into his ear. Yeah. I mean, they're getting overly confident, thank God, because that means we're going to end soon. Exactly. We actually are very close to ending, I promise. Um, May 12th of 1980, he abducts and murders a 17-year-old, which he just randomly said he woke up that day and just decided that he was tired of having him around. Um, He had discarded his body behind a Westminster gas station, and his body was found six days later on the 18th. Mm -hmm. Um, All the typical, all the typical things. All the same things as everybody else. Uh, He is nothing but not consistent. (laughs) Um, One week after he murdered... Lawrence Sharp. I don't know if I actually said his name. His name was Lawrence Sharp. He was 17. Um, After he murdered him a week later on May 19th, um, Will asked Vernon to accompany him for another murder. Uh, This time Vernon was like, nah dude, leave me out of it. Um, So he went by himself and abducted a 14 year old from Southgate named Sean King. Um, And he strangled him to death before discarding him in Live Oak Canyon. And then he, you know, goes straight to Vernon's house and, like, brags about killing this kid, of course. What's new? Um, so, by early 1980, like, okay, let me preface to you, as this is going on, like, this is getting a lot of media attention. Like, people know that not only is, like, are these kids dying, but they know it's a serial killer. By, like, mm-hmm. the third one, they had connected that- th- Honestly, by, like, the second one, they had connected that this was a serial killer. Because, like, they're all tortured and abused and killed in, like, exactly the same way. Uh, like, especially, like, the thing about, like, them getting strangled with their own t-shirt and a tire iron every single time. Like, um, so, like, there was a reward out for them. Um, there was, like- you know, a task force for this that they were starting to share. Um, you know, this was like one of the first maiden cases where they were really like sharing uh, information across lines. Because, like, ev- you know, most everybody was found in a different county. Um, so, six of the three, er, six officers from three jurisdictions. Um, formed, like, a task force about it. Um, so, we'll get more into that. But, in May of 1980, uh, Pew was arrested for auto theft and was interned at the Los Padrinos uh, Juvenile Courthouse. Um, on the 28th of May, he heard about the murders, like, on the radio, and he confided in his CO that, like, he was like, I know who did this. Like, mm-hmm. he'll brag to me about this. Like, I know this was him. Um, so that CO reported it to the police, um, who sent it to the LAPD. Uh, <laughs> um, so Pugh is interviewed by a homicide sergeant from the LAPD. Do you want to know his name? Yes. <laughs> it's John St. John. Did you just hit me with the John Valjean? Literally. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Jean Valjean. Um, so 
they have a whole little interview. Um, and Pew, like, basically tells him everything, but conveniently leaves out that he accompanied him on one of the murders. Um, so, the same day that this is happening, so the same day that, um, Pew is having the interview with John St. John, um, Will invites an 18-year-old homeless kid, uh, named James Michael Monroe, um, to move into the house that he shares with his mother and his brother. Um, Monroe was a runaway from St. Clair, Michigan, who had been kicked out of his home, uh, in the early months of 1980. He had planned on meeting a friend in California, but he ended up homeless instead because he had gotten robbed, um, while he was there, he did engage in a consensual relationship with Will, like a, a consensual sexual relationship. Um, and then he also started working at the same uh, delivery firm where Will worked and even like sometimes would like drive his van and stuff. Um, he actually thought Will was a good guy, really normal. <laughs> like they had even gone with like, he had even taken him to, like, go roller skating with him and his girlfriend. Um, but the same day, so June 1st, he takes him, they go roller skating with his girlfriend. And then right after they go roller skating, he takes Monroe aside, basically, and tells him that he wants them both to abduct, sexually assault, and murder a teenage hitchhiker. Um, and so, like... These things are, like, happening at the same time. So, like, he's, like, telling James, like, hey, we should murder somebody together at the same time that the police are, like, putting together a surveillance team to, like, watch everything that he does. So. <laughs> this happens on June 1st, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know when they started surveillance? If it's anything other than June 2nd, I'm going to be pissed. It is June 2nd. Oh, good. But good, good. that's one day too late. Oh, Because bad. after he brings up that they should murder someone together, they do. Hours before police surveillance starts, literally just a couple of hours, Will and James Monroe go and find an 18-year-old print shop worker named Stephen J. Wells. He was at a bus stop on El Segundo Boulevard. They convince him to get into the van. Um, they sleep together, uh, consensually, uh, and then he persuades them to come back to his parents' house, where they do it again. Um, Will then sends Monroe to go get food for them, and while, like, when he returns, Will convinces the child that they took in to let him, like, tie them up because he says that he'll give him $200. So he gets Monroe in. The kid gets really stressed because he's like, uh, there's two of them. I'm tied up. This actually feels like a bad situation. Like, please let me go. Um, Will tells Monroe, like, no, we're going to kill this kid. Um... So he strangles him to death and Monroe is like, has no idea what to do. Cause also you have to think about the fact that like, he's also like 18, like he's also yeah. a kid. 
like he has no idea you know what i mean like and this is like an adult you know um like he even asked him whether or not uh wells was dead because like he didn't know because he's like a kid mm-hmm. uh, and will like laughed at him and was like yeah stupid haven't you seen a dead body before like no he's 18 no he hasn't hopefully he hasn't like <laughs> oh, this man's a trash bag so he makes them and Monroe's like struggling with this like like he's like having to go outside to breathe because he's like having a panic attack and shit and so they get a cardboard box they put the body in the box they take it to the van they drive to Vernon's apartment um and then they get Vernon to come out and see the body literally by saying and I quote we got it in the van it's a good one come on come on out and see it ew um so now they're standing all around the van Vernon is dressed like Darth Vader while this is happening oh I just my want god you to know that. um and like I guess pokes the body and says oh you got another one like good job you really did a good one he then wills like where do you think I should dump the body um and then Vernon tells him that they should dump the body near a gas station also Vernon said that he um actively told Will like you need to be careful where you're gonna dump the body like you don't want to go out to like the woods or a canyon right now because there's a lot of cops around like looking for you basically Mm-hmm. Uh, and they literally like ran into several police cars while they were driving around looking where to dump the body. Like they didn't get pulled over, but like they saw a bunch of police cars. Yeah. Um. So they ended up going to like an abandoned gas station in Huntington Beach. Um. And then they left the body there. Um. It was discovered five hours later. Who, like, by these two brothers who had stopped because they got a, like a flat tire. Um. And they once again stole his money, and bought hamburgers with it. Because apparently that's a thing that you do. And obviously Will like threatened Monroe, basically, because like obviously Monroe was not as like complicit as everybody else. Like, he clearly is a kid out of his depth, like, not wanting to participate in any of this. Yeah. Will, like, threatens him and basically is like, you need to shut up about this or I'll kill you. Um, so, the next nine days are when the police surveillance is, uh, and nothing happens, you know, just a normal nine days. However, on June 11th of 1980, the police observe him drivingly, like, drivingly, driving, like, randomly. Like, he clearly looked like he was trying to find somebody to, like, lure into his van. And they actually watched him unsuccessfully attempt to lure five different kids into his van before, like, the sixth kid finally, like, accepted. So they then follow him because he was alone. So it's not like the other situations where, like, he was in the back and, like, someone else was driving. So they knew, like, nothing was happening to the kid while he was driving, if that makes sense. Yeah. They knew that they could, like, stop it in time, you know? Um, 
So they drive to a service station parking lot uh, and then obviously approach the vehicle. They hear screaming, they hear banging, they force their way in. They find him, you know, assaulting this 17-year-old kid um, who he had handcuffed and, like, bound up. Um, So obviously they were able to arrest him, charge him right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they charged him originally with like rape of a minor and held on su- suspicion of murder for George Miranda. Um, he was held on a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond, which is a lot for nineteen eighty. That's a lot of money. I was gonna say that is a considerable amount of money for the time. So, um, Will's girlfriend calls his boss to be like hey he's not gonna be at work like (laughs) he's arrested in connection with the freeway killer case and Monroe freaks the fuck out like he was already nervous that Will wasn't there and like that like he freaks the fuck out Mm -hmm. um so he steals Will's car because he had a car on top of the van he didn't drive the van like everywhere um and he drives all the way back to Michigan which is really fucking far from California um, where he stayed with a friend for a little bit, but, like, he, he gets arrested as well. Like, they find him there. Um, so inside of his van, they find everything, basically. <laughs> they find all of, like, the restraining devices, the knives, the tire iron, the pliers, the hate, like, everything that he used was in this van, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they found extensive traces of blood stains. Obviously, the handles had been removed. Um, inside of the glove box were, was literally a scrapbook of the newspaper clippings. Like, literally, it was the biggest I did this possible. So at least, like, once they found him, like, they got him, like, right away. But it took someone, like, telling them it was him when it's, like, he had fucking 30 goddamn arrests for kidnapping and assaulting children like that wasn't enough of a fucking tip-off like yeah seriously uh, which i mean i guess to be fair back in these days they didn't have computers so it's not like they had like a system like now where you could be like let me look up these kinds of charges and see what comes up so to be fair they didn't have that but i feel like that should have been like i should have been notorious enough on his own you know what I mean? Like, enough where it would have pegged somebody's mind right away. Because, like, this news was, like, national. Like, this was a huge thing that was happening. Like, that was a lot of murders we talked about. Um, yeah, I feel like somebody should have come forward sooner. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you think if you were, like, a CO or a police officer or something, and, like, you had dealt with someone who had had that many counts of, like, child abuse and kidnapping and shit, like, when I heard this news of these murders happening, like, a couple of counties over or whatever, I instantly would be like, wait, is that dude still in prison? Like, is he out? Like, mm-hmm. like I would inst- it would instantly team my brain. Like, even without fucking computers. Like, because that's not somebody you forget, or it shouldn't be someone you forget. Like, I know COs. I know, like, cops. Like, I know that those significant people and cases stick with them. Like, you're telling me not a single person had a single, like, suspicion this whole fucking time? Like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. It is the LAPD, though, so. Yeah, we know how consistent they are. Another, so. Originally, originally, 
he's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but, like, pretty quick, he, like, changes story. It was pretty fucking obvious that they were going to get him. But on top of that, he got... Sorry, I'm, like, burpy today for some reason. Um, on top of that, he got a letter from the mother of Sean King, who was one of his victims. And she had, like, begged him to reveal where her son's body was because he had yet to be found at this point. And he, like, this kind of, he was like, okay, they have so much evidence, like, these families are suffering, like, fuck it. Um, He did make sure to clarify, though, before he confessed, he made it very clear um, that he was not doing this to ease the mother's pain. But he was doing this because King was buried in San Bernardino County and police would likely buy him a hamburger for lunch because it was a long trip. <laughs> he said, I was dying for a hamburger and I knew that if I went out with the cops, they would get me one. God, what a fucking narcissist. Um, over the course of the next several days, he confessed to abducting, raping, and killing 21 young men and boys in graphic detail um he expressed no remorse for his actions um but he did say he was extremely embarrassed that he got caught (laughs) um a little excerpt of one of his confessions um he said he's talking about um marcus graves by the way um he said i tied him up with nylon this electrician type of wire I pulled a knife on him and he got scared. I stabbed him in the left arm. It surprised me that I did it. I stabbed him again and then again and again and again until he was helpless. They would try to stop me from stabbing them and I would stab just to stab. I stuck them with a knife in different places because I didn't know where to stab. You know, I I didn't know where the vital organs were or anything like that. So not surprisingly, um, one of the cops, one of the ones from Orange County, Punched him in the face. Uh, said, there was not a policeman in that room who did not want to kill him. And I, I, I see that. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Like, you probably, like, obviously I never, ever, 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 ever condone cops killing people. Obviously that's a huge fucking issue nowadays. But, but in this, this instance, like nobody would have faulted you. <laughs> like, literally. I'm like, this is the one person who could have died in police custody that I would have been like, absolutely would have turned the other cheek for like (laughs) literally um and then obviously he identified vernon george and monroe as being accomplices um obviously he was physically later on later on at this point because like this earlier days there's not like the evidence but like later on the technology got better so they could get more evidence to prove mm-hmm. that it was him. Um, so he ended up being linked by blood and semen stains. Um, they also found these very distinctive green, um, like weirdly shaped carpet fibers. Um, and they had found those weird carpet fibers on seven of the victims' bodies. And it was like a exact match for the back of his van. Mm-hmm. Um, three of the bodies, they also ended up finding hair samples, which then they could later match to Will. Um, and then the murders all used that, like, very unique strangulation method. So that was obviously also, like, a big thing. Yeah. Um, 
when he was originally arraigned for the murder of Marcus, um, that was July 25th. By July 29th, he had also been charged with an additional 15 murders. Um, obviously, it's with all the extra ones he confessed to. So he ended up with 16 murder indictments, 11 counts of robbery, a count of sodomy, a count of mayhem. <laughs> um, and he was held without bond. Um, you know, he got a... I'm skipping a lot of this stuff because it's. I feel like the court stuff is not that interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, all that fun stuff. Um, oh, this is important, though. Um, so based on his confession, um, they got a warrant. They searched Vernon's property. Um, they found evidence that le- linked him to several of the murders. Obviously, Vernon tried to claim that he did it out of fear and that he said he only got the courage to confess once Will was in custody. But, like, that's oh, bullshit because Will had up. been in jail several times. Yeah, seriously. So, like, fuck you. Like, he was already in jail. You literally, like, went and got him from jail. Like, you could have just gone to the police when he was in jail and then he wouldn't have gotten out. You know what I mean? Right, like, I'm not trying to say it's entirely your fault, my guy, but, like, it's entirely your fault, my guy. Yeah, so Vernon was charged, um, but he was only charged with participating in three murders. Um, Monroe was arrested July 31st in Port Huron, Michigan. Um, He was extradited to California. He was also charged, but he was only charged with the murder of Wells. Um, August 22nd, uh, Greg Miley who was only 19 at this time. So Monroe's only 18. Miley's only 19. Jesus. Um, He was arrested in Texas, and he was charged in the murders of George Miranda and James McCabe. Um, He also confessed. So, like, he tried to plead innocent, but then he ended up pleading guilty because he had confessed. So. (laughs) Um, Well... Like I said, a lot of the court stuff's kind of boring. It's just, like, this person was arraigned, and then they did this, and they did that. However, something that is interesting in all of that court stuff, um, January 2nd, Vernon was arraigned on five counts of murder, three counts of robbery. Um, four days after this, he committed suicide by hanging himself with a towel in his cell. What a fucking pussy. Um, and when they got the body... Like, the coroner got the body. He, which I couldn't find, like, what exactly he found that made him come to this conclusion. So I'm going to say allegedly here, just because I don't know what the evidence specifically was. But the coroner said that he found evidence that Vernon had tried to kill himself four times previously. Um, so, obviously... No one's that surprised that he... Oh, I wonder if he had, like, a across the street, not down it situation. Yeah, like, I was wondering if maybe he had, like, you know, maybe some scars where he had cut himself, or maybe, like, he had evidence that he had, like, tried to take pills before or something, like... I just don't know where he got the number, like, four times. Like, I could get him saying, like, there was evidence that he had tried to kill himself in the past, but, like, I don't know how he knew specifically it was four times unless there was like documentation yeah so but i couldn't find the documentation either so like that's why i was like i don't really know how uh, accurate that is yeah um 
but it, strangely enough, though, three months before he committed suicide, he had actually rejected an offer. Like, he rejected a plea deal. Uh. And they would have given him uh, only 25 years for, like, all of that stuff, which is, like, honestly a good fucking deal for what yeah. he did. Like, getting charged with seven murders and three counts of robbery and stuff. Like, that was a good deal. So, like, I don't know why he would reject that and then, like, kill himself. Like, weird. What a um, Greg and Monroe uh, agreed to testify against Will um, in exchange for being spared the death penalty. Um, and they also agreed with Monroe that if he testified, they would get rid of the charges of sodomy and robbery. Which, honestly, in the case of Monroe, like... I think it's fair that he doesn't get charged with sodomy because he did not actually even, like, touch the body or do anything to the body. Like, he was there, but Will did everything. Yeah. So, I don't think that would have been fair. But, anyways. Um, oh, and then William Pugh also agreed to testify um, in exchange for pleading guilty to one count of voluntary manslaughter. And he only got six years. That feels like not enough years. His first trial lasted until January 6th of 1982. Um, He was convicted of 10 of the murders, um, which is kind of bullshit, to be honest. Um, I'm not surprised. A lot of the family members, like, cried a lot during the sentencing. I don't know, probably because, like, half of them didn't get the justice that they deserved. Um, but they found him guilty and they, um, unanimously recommended that he receive the death penalty. As they should. As they should. If he didn't get the death penalty, he was then sent to San Quentin State Prison, where he was to await execution in the gas chamber. Um, he just kind of, you know, he said that he expected to receive the death penalty, so I don't think anyone was too surprised by this. Right. Um, he had gotten severely beat by his, by his, uh, cellmate. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah, who's surprised? Um, so he ended up Literally in solitary confinement for a long time. Um, he was tried again, but a lot of this stuff is not terribly important um it's just them charging him for even more of the victims that weren't charged in the because i think in the first one what did i say they charged him for like 16 or 15 or something like that something like that and he was charged in like he was officially convicted of 10 of them but like other locations like he had to then go to trial in orange county because a lot of the murders were over by orange county and they charged him with like four or five other ones and it's just like a lot of back and forth um, and then after all of this, he did all of this back and forth just to end up right back in San Quentin, still waiting execution in the gas chamber. That's why I said it wasn't really that, it's not that it's not significant. Like, of course, he deserved to be tried and convicted for these crimes, but it kind of ended him up exactly where he already was. So. Um, he has a big fucking mouth and never shuts the fuck up. As you can't, if you can't tell by all these fucking confessions. Wow. Yeah, I'm shocked. 
Um, while he was in jail and like on death row, he started painting. He wrote. Um, he wrote a series of short stories called Doing Time, Stories from the Mind of a Death Row Prisoner. Um, he also wanted to publish a science fiction no novel, but this never happened. Um, but he actually received several awards for his artwork, his short stories, and his poems. Which I hate. Like, why was he even eligible? Like, why do we even consider him? Like, I don't care if he's the best writer in the world. Like, maybe don't reward him for anything. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. He also corresponded with a bunch of people. Um, he even corresponded with several mothers of some of his victims. Um, throughout all this time, he never expressed any regret or remorse. Um, he would purposely withhold information. Like, so he obviously was very open with information, um, mm -hmm. but he would purposely withhold specific information that the families were like begging him from, like for. Are you fucking like kidding me? Yeah, like, they would ask him very specific questions and be like, please, please, just, like, just tell me this, you know? Like, just tell me his last words or something. You know, whatever random thing it might be. Yeah. And he would, like, basically tell everything, but would not tell them that. The one thing that they wanted to know. Um, he also told the mother of Sean King that... And he was... So, the murder of Sean King, he actually was... Like, ex like, those charges were dropped. Um, like, the murder and the rape charges and everything were dropped for Sean King because he showed them where the body was. Um, but no. his mother, uh, that her son was his favorite victim because he was, and I quote, such a screamer. I fucking despise this man. Which, like, I mean, honestly, like, might not even be true or even remotely true. Uh, like, it's probably something he just said to fuck with her. But, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, the shit he says is almost worse than the shit he does. And the shit he does is so severe. So, like, for me to say that, like, it's bad. Yeah. Um, while he was in San Quentin, he also became besties with a different serial killer um, named Lawrence Bittaker. Um... And they had been in jail before together, actually, in Los Angeles. Um, he also became friends with convicted murderers Randy Kraft, um, who also was nicknamed the Freeway Killer. <laughs> um, Douglas Clark and Jimmy Lee Smith. He was supposed to be executed um, in the gas chamber, obviously. But in 1992, um, Robert, a different prisoner, obviously, uh, named Robert Alton Harris um, was executed in California mm -hmm. and he was executed via the gas chamber and he like it went kind of like weird and he he was like invisible like pain and agony for like it took 15 minutes for him to die and like he was in like visible agony for like a good chunk of that um, and after this happened they we're like, okay, we're, we're not doing the gas chamber anymore. Like, it's not a thing we're doing in California because that was really, really fucked up. Um, so he he's still getting executed, but they just switched it to lethal injection instead in 1992. That's, like, when they made the switch to lethal injection. Under normal circumstances, I hear you. However, all things considered, maybe maybe do one more gas chamber and then just switch one more yeah, just 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 
just one more. Yeah. Um, he appealed a bunch of times, but nothing really ever stuck. Okay, so he made all of these appeals, right? Like, about a bunch of different stuff. Appeals about his case, appeals about the death sentence, appeals about fucking everything, to be quite honest. Appeals that nobody gives a fuck about. Honestly, though. Like, they all got rejected. Yeah, like, literally every single one. Um, So, an hour before his execution, uh, the Supreme Court refused to overturn his death sentence. Um, Like, they were like, nope, sorry, not happening. Um, also, Bonin, so, Will actually preferred the gas chamber. He actually wanted to be killed in the gas chamber. I forgot about that until I just read this. He actually wanted to be killed in the gas chamber, and he told them as well, like, he was like, well, if you're not going to overturn it, it's only fair that I get to choose, like, how I'm executed. Like, if I get killed in the gas chamber, if I get killed by lethal injection. And they said, go fuck yourself. You know what? And just like that, I'm okay with them not using the gas chamber on him. Right, like, they were, I, for, I totally forgot about that until I was going through this. But yeah, they were literally like, go fuck yourself. Like, we literally don't care. Um, do you want to hear a wonderful little quote from him just a little bit before he was executed? Oh, you know how much I love last words. So this isn't last words yet. We're not there yet. But this is like, a, it was like pretty soon before he was executed. But um, he said, I think I've accepted the fact that this may come about. And I've made my peace with it. And if it happens, it happens. As far as how I'm going to feel at that very moment, I can't answer that question. I don't know. I don't think any of us would know until we're there. Well, I probably went into the service too soon because I was peaking in my bowling career. So I regret that I didn't get to go out and get the instruction and pursue that because I've always had a love for bowling. you fucking kidding me? nope uh that was the day before he was executed it's giving the same energy as like i asked for spaghettios and i got spaghetti literally like Like, you're worried about your bowling career right now the one that you stopped when you were like 17 18 years old like yeah like we're past the point of no return on that like we're still talking about bowling like you also you were going roller skating with your girlfriend all the time you couldn't take a couple sundays and go bowling like Come on. Uh, so February 23rd of 1996, he was executed via lethal injection, which is really funny because he was injected via, you know, the lethal injection inside of the gas chamber. <laughs> so they were kind of like, I guess you could have like a little bit of it. <laughs> um, he was the first person to be executed by lethal injection in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and his execution occurred 14 years after his first first death sentence had been imposed. Jesus. Um, so he gave a final interview to a local radio station less than 24 hours before he was executed. That's part of where that quote I just read came from. Yeah, I'm like not over that. Also, I'm pretty sure it's not your military stunt that, you know, halted your bowling career. I'm pretty sure it's the murders like you and but like honestly like even with the murders like you could have been bowling like there was no reason you could have like he was only doing this stuff on friday saturday so it's like you had all the other days of the week to go bowling like you could have bowled like no one was stopping you from bowling like um so in this interview he claimed that he made peace with the fact that he was about to die 
Um, he expressed his disagreement with the state's decision to execute him. He said, a lot of people believe I should die for what I have done. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. Too bad. Don't care. Um, he also said, I have no anger towards anybody, but that doesn't mean I don't think the death penalty is wrong. I I strongly disagree. And I'm Nobody sorry. gives I get a it. fuck. <laughs> so I understand the concept of, like, why people are against the death penalty. But, like, I'm sorry when it comes to stuff like this. Like, I can't do anything but support it. Like, I can't help myself. Like, I absolutely do think this guy deserved to die. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, he no, deserves it's, it. like, it's definitely one of those things where, like, as an umbrella statement, no. But there's exceptions to every rule. Oh, don't do this. Oh, thank oh, thank God. The bars froze. Like, where it shows where the audio's coming in. Hmm. And I was like, I swear to God, I will kill myself if this crashes right now. I'm not saying all of this again. The people okay. will never get a part two. Literally. Um, he also denied any responsibility for his actions in this interview and said, I can say that I feel that these people believe I am guilty and that they feel when I am executed that that will put closure to it. But that's not the case and I'm going to find that out. Um, no, that is the case. That's actually kind of how this whole justice system thing works. Um, you brutally murdered a ton of fucking people and therefore you die. And yeah, then all and then ends. He got a little like erratic after that, and he like tried to say that he wasn't the same person he was during the murders, but at the same time, he said that like he wouldn't ever be able to live like a normal life outside of prison. But then he also said that he had like no control over himself and that the urge to kill was too strong. Um, and then he like got religious with it and said, you know, like, I hope the Lord will understand me and know that I couldn't help what I did, which like you could have, you could have helped actually, ironically, you could have, but okay. Um, so at 6 PM, the day he was executed, he was moved from his cell to a death watch cell where he ordered his last meal. He got two large pizzas, three pints of ice cream. And three six-packs of Coke. And he ate all of it while he watched Jeopardy. Jesus. He ate all of that in an episode of Jeopardy. Those are only 30 minutes. My stomach just, like, rejected that idea. <laughs> um, Like, he... drinking three 12-packs of Coke? I don't think I could drink one, a, a singular can of Coke without wanting to puke to be honest oh my god also he just like yeah like literally if you blindfolded me and you were like what are the three worst things that you could eat for your stomach right now i would probably tell you pizza ice cream and pop so like that would have literally killed me that feels like you know do you remember the the volcano like science project yeah like that that literally like that did he want to do like an experiment to see like what his body would do with all that food in it like Like, were you trying to see what your vomit threshold was because like yikes sorry my stupid page did the stupid scrolling thing again no you're fine it scrolled six pages up this time for (laughs) reason um so his final hours were spent in the company of five individuals that he had chosen 
Um, this included his attorney, the chaplain, and a biographer. Um, they all said that he seemed resigned to his fate. Um, once again, ex like expressed zero remorse for any of it. Um, at 11.45 p.m., he was escorted from his holding cell into the execution chamber. Um, in his final statement, he gave his final statement to the prison warden one hour before his execution at midnight. Um, he once again expressed no remorse, and he left a note that said, and I quote, I feel the death penalty is not an answer to the problems at hand. I feel like it sends the wrong message to the people of this country. Young people act as they see other people acting instead of how people tell them to act. I would advise that when a person has a thought of doing something serious against the law, that before they did, they should go to a quiet place and think about it seriously. Yeah, not, not my favorite last words I've ever read. Wait a minute. Was it? Was he in the last words episode? I don't think so. That feels vaguely familiar and condescending. We'll have to go back and rewatch it. Now I don't know. Because you're right. It did sound a little bit familiar. It just like go to a quiet place and think about it part did. Yeah. Um, he was pronounced dead at 1213. Um, and he was 49 at the time of his execution. Um, none of his relatives chose to witness it. Um, but several relatives of his victims did, uh, who all, I mean, they cried, of course, but they all embraced and cheered when he died, which I completely Valid. understand. <laughs> um, he, his execution passed without complications. He was heavily sedated, so he didn't really suffer, unfortunately. Um, as much as I would like him to. Oh my God. He was, he was literally the first last meal and words that I presented in that episode. Was he fucking really? Yes. That's I'm looking at the notes funny. right now. What a what a small world. It all comes back. It really does. Wow. I'm really glad we didn't cover this earlier. Fuck. Like, who knew? We didn't know by those terrible last words and terrible last meal choice how traumatizing this man would be in the future. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know the little like the little blurb I put for what he was convicted for I feel like is not like now that I know is not enough. Yeah, no. Not not even a little bit. Um so we are almost done. I promise. We're just tying up the rest of the loose ends. Mhm. Mm um Four months after his initial arrest, um, his dad died of liver cirrhosis at age 61, which is weird. Uh, hmm. uh, October 11th of 1980, uh, probably because, you know, he was a heavily fucking alcoholic his entire life. Um, his, like, his family didn't, like claim his body after his execution or anything. Uh, no one was at his funeral. Um, they ended up just scattering his ashes over the Pacific Ocean, but like none of his family was involved. Um, his mom was actually 
um, like, sued right after he got arrested. Because, like, in the process of them investigating, like, him, they found out that his mom had been stealing Social Security money because Will had started getting money from the state in 1972 for Social Security and he had, like, a mental disability because he was in that psychiatric hospital. And... She, she'd been just like stealing all of that money she stole like eighty thousand dollars wow that whole family is really just a bunch of winners <laughs> literally though yeah um uh one of the people who also watched the execution was david mcvicker uh which is the one that he had like tried to assault and like sort of strangled him but ended up like letting him go uh, he was also at his execution. Um, but he said, so, like, before the execution, he, like, had a really hard time. Like, he was getting really into drugs and alcohol. He dropped out of high school. Like, he was really struggling. And then he saw the execution, and he turned his life around and, like, got his shit together and became an advocate, like, against his like his accomplices getting out of prison and stuff. So that's super wholesome. I'm glad yeah. that it was a good turn that around. And I'm glad it was the murder <laughs> of his abuser that like got him to turn around. Yeah. Because it would have been sad to hear him go down that path. Like I don't blame him for going down that path, but I'm glad that he got out of that path before it could do too much harm. Yeah. Um, Monroe got fifteen years to life. Um, he's appealed a bunch of times, but Nobody gives a fuck, not. so Yeah, exactly. He's been denied parole, like he is next available for parole in 2029. Um, Miley got 25 years to life, and he has to serve a minimum of 16 years and 8 months before he could be considered for parole. Um, but then he also got another 25 years to life for the James McCabe thing. Um, so he's... He... Yeah. Prison in. He's, he's prison in. <laughs> Um, but he was constantly getting in trouble in prison. He kept having drugs. He kept trying to sexually assault the other inmates. Um, and on May 25th of 2016, he actually died. Um, he had been attacked two days earlier by an inmate in an exercise yard at the Mule Creek State Prison, which is where him and Monroe both were. Mm -hmm. Um, but he fell unconscious two hours afterwards and died of his injuries, which is perfect because his next parole hearing was in 2019 and he did not make it. So good. Um, Pew was sentenced to six years in prison for the voluntary manslaughter of Harry Turner. Um, he served less than four years of his sentence and then he was released from prison in 1985. Mm-hmm. And presumably has done nothing bad with his life since. <coughs> God, I would hope not. And that's it. I'm finally done. It'll finally the end. 31 pages Woo! later. Here we are. My hand is cramping so bad from holding the microphone. So, as uh, per usual, um, find our, our beacons page. Um, it's, it's a beacon to all of our links <laughs> Ew. Uh, has all of our social media all of our listening platforms all of our everything um, so make sure you follow us on everything click on all the links 
it tells me when people click on links, so I'm watching you. <laughs> but not really, because I have a million and one other things to do. Um, so yeah, uh, stay spooky, but just not, not any of this. Yeah, not just not a single part of it. Like, I can't I'm- even isolate one part of this. <laughs> Literally, is- yeah. Just not, yeah. not this. Not any. Actually, of this. I can pinpoint one thing. Um, stay spooky, but not so spooky that you're a literal fucking narcissistic trash bag that kills and rapes 15, if not more, people. Oh, 21. 21. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then your last words are some condescending bullshit about how if you're going to commit a crime, you should go think about it. Fuck off. Don't well, be yeah, that fucking spooky. A lot of time to think about it, dog. You had a lot of time to think about it. Not that fucking spooky. Yep. I can't even I can't even get started because I <laughs> will not stop. Yeah, literally. Uh, so yeah, the beacons page. And I'm sorry for ruining your life and your day as much as mine was ruined. So <laughs> stay spooky. <laughs>
obviously Vernon tried to claim that he did it out of fear and that he said he only got the courage to confess once Will was in custody. But, like, that's bullshit because Will had been in jail several times. So, like, fuck you. Like, he was already in jail. You literally, like, went and got him from jail. Like, you could have just gone to the police when he was in jail and then he wouldn't have gotten out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so Vernon was charged, um, but he was only charged with participating in three murders. Um, Monroe was arrested July 31st in Port Huron, Michigan. Um, he was extradited to California. He was also charged, but he was only charged with the murder of Wells. Um, August 22nd, uh, Gre Greg Miley, who was only 19 at this time. So Monroe's only 18. Miley's only 19. Um, he was arrested in Texas, and he was charged in the murders of George Miranda and James McCabe. Um, he also confessed. So, like, he tried to plead innocent, but then he ended up pleading guilty because he had confessed. So, um, well... Like I said, a lot of the court stuff's kind of boring. It's just like, this person was arraigned, and then they did this, and they did that. However, something that is interesting in all of that court 